0: You're listening to EG Property Podcasts with Sarah Jackman. Today, we're starting a new legislative series, which we're calling In On The Act. Each month, either myself or EG's Chester Harold will sit down with a member of Falcon Chambers to discuss a legislative topic. On today's inaugural podcast, I'm joined by Joint Head of Falcon Chambers and long-time EG columnist Guy featherstone hall QC, and our topic today the Commercial Rent Coronavirus Act. The Act was given royal assent on the 24th of March and introduces a new arbitration scheme for the recovery of ring-fence rent arrears, which are those incurred during the pandemic by business tenants that were forced by coronavirus-related laws to fully or partly close their business or premises. Guy, welcome to the podcast. I'm delighted that you're able to join me today. Thank you for giving up your time. Um, It's much appreciated perhaps you could start by telling our listeners a little bit about what the new Act does.
1: Well, and hello, Sarah, and it's absolutely delightful to be here too. Well, how the Act works, as you said, Sarah, it's designed to resolve disputes relating to rent owed by businesses which were required to close during the COVID pandemic. And the bill, or the Act now, enables arbitration to be used to resolve these disputes if the landlord and the tenant in any case can't agree a way forward. It has a fairly straightforward mechanism, but then I would say that as a lawyer, but the mechanism is for either party in a rent arrears situation, but it'll usually be the tenant to apply for the appointment of an arbitrator who will apply specific criteria to decide whether any relief should be granted to the tenant and then publish an award that everybody will be able to see So that's how it works in broad outline.
0: And tell me a little bit about why the government has implemented an arbitration scheme over, say, the use of mediation or another form of dispute resolution.
1: Well, the the government has been trying, really, for two years to get parties to play nicely. So it's had lots of guidance. I mean, about three lots. But the trouble with all that is that it was voluntary. And you have very entrenched positions. You know, you've got big tenants with lots of premises who haven't been able to trade during lockdown saying, why should we pay rent if we haven't had any turnover? And then you've got landlords saying, well, you're our source of income. If you don't pay your rent, then what's going to happen to the people who rely upon us to pay their pensions? So each party has a very reasonable, justifiable position. And neither was giving way. And over the course of the last two years, about seven to eight billion pounds worth of rent arrears has built up with no revolution. So voluntary schemes weren't going to work. Mediation is effectively voluntary as well. You know, you don't have to go in for mediation. If you do go in for mediation, you don't have to agree with the outcome. So binding arbitration was really quite a good solution. So either party can trigger it and if it's triggered then both parties are bound by the result which as i say is published for all the world to see and i think the very existence of this scheme will mean that parties who don't really want their business in the headlines will will start behaving more flexibly let's let's put it that way
0: there have been examples of similar arbitration schemes that have been adopted in overseas jurisdictions. One notable example is Australia. What's the experience there been?
1: Well, pretty mixed, really. And actually, the guru on this topic is one of our door tenants and our academic fellow, Clyde Croft, who's not merely a professor who teaches law in Australia. He's also an acclaimed international arbitrator. He's been a high court judge in Australia and none better than him really to comment on the scheme. And he's written a series of articles for the Australian Law Journal. The problem in Australia is that the scheme there, which is pretty different to ours, was introduced by the federal government. And people here, I think, don't appreciate just how much the states in Australia have their own way of doing things. So the federal government will say, we want to introduce this arbitration scheme, and we want you, each individual state, to adopt it. Well, when you look to see what they've actually done, they're all different. But basically, their scheme works by having an arbitration, but which is carried out in the equivalent of our first tier tribunal. And the way in which disputes are resolved is really quite different as a different financial test. So whether you make the grade for relief as a tenant depends upon the hit your turnover has taken. Whereas here, the the scheme is really quite different. So Australia is a useful example, but you can't really apply it case by case to what's happening here at all. Although, funnily enough, the government did use it as their launch pad for the approach that's been adopted over here. They called it, "quotes the successful Australian approach but actually when you dig down into what's happening in Australia it's it's not actually that successful.
0: Falcon Chambers has an established arbitration practice and it's an approved arbitration body under the new act. In practical terms what what can someone expect when they come to you?
1: Okay, well we've we always had a Falcon Chambers arbitration service with its own dedicated website but we've adapted that a lot to lend itself to the scheme. So if they go on our website, they'll find uh, an information paper which basically takes you through the process step by step. It includes the referral to arbitration form that you'll need to fill out. And it makes, I hope, every step um, perfectly clear. And we've had really quite a lot of inquiries already. We've also, funnily enough, had inquiries from other approved arbitration bodies seeking to appoint our arbitrators here. And I suppose what we bring to the party is we all do landlord and tenant. And it's the only thing we do. And so we know what we're talking about when it comes to commercial rent arrears. Having said that, though, the scheme for resolving disputes involves balancing different criteria, which are quite technical. So you're looking on the one hand at the viability of the tenant and on the other hand at the solvency of the landlord, and quite how you balance those two different criteria it is going to be fascinating to see how that works out. But I suspect that quite a lot of us are going to need the, the help of sophisticated accountants to determine the, the really nitty gritty questions.
0: And when it comes to an arbitration under the new Act, are there any substantial differences in terms of process and so on compared to an arbitration on a, another area of
1: dispute? What like rent review, you mean, that sort of thing? Exactly. Okay. Well, great question, Sarah. And uh, what's always been striking for me is how little arbitration is used in the property world. Of course, you've got rent review, but they're only because it's been traditional in this country for leases to have arbitration clauses for disputed rent. You also get arbitration clauses in development agreements to resolve disputes arising there but those are pretty much the only areas apart from agriculture where property uses arbitrators. All other disputes tend to wander off to well typically the county court because the high court doesn't much like property disputes and what's great about the commercial rent coronavirus act is that it makes arbitration binding so With our line of work, if you have any other area, like, for example, a boundary dispute or any other property dispute where one side will say, why don't we arbitrate this? The other side will run a mile because that's what disputing parties are like. But they won't be able to run a mile with this act because as soon as one party refers to arbitration, the other party has no choice but to go along with it. So we expect really quite a lot of activity. And I'm sure all the approved arbitration bodies are the same.
0: There have been some critics of the scheme. What what would you say to anyone coming forward with criticisms of it?
1: Well, yes, and, and it's been fascinating. There's been criticism from quite a lot of quarters. The Property Litigation Association and the Property Bar Association, in particular, joined forces to criticise the text of the Act. And it's been pretty hard, hard-heading and hard-hitting criticism. I I completely understand the criticism. I I think some of it is misplaced. I I commend what the government has done with this act. It had a complete logjam to resolve. And I think going this way with an arbitration scheme was entirely the right thing to do. I didn't used to think that. You know, I used to think, why should landlords have to accept something less than what they're entitled to? But then seeing it from the tenant's point of view as well, they had to close because of the the lockdowns. You know, the government made them close. And the government's attitude is, well, having made them close, they ought to be helped in some measure. And and let's be clear about this. They're not helped if they were unviable, regardless of whether they get a reduction in their rent or not. And conversely, those who are good, who are viable anyway, whether or not they get um, money, won't get any relief under the Act. So if you're A, a hopeless case, and B, an okay case is going to be okay anyway, then you won't get help. So I I think actually it's quite a well-designed piece of legislation and pretty impressive really, given that it took from start to finish from, I think, August last year up till March to put this all the way through Parliament. I mean, normally, primary legislation takes three or four years to get through. And this is absolutely shot through um, the two chambers.
0: People who perhaps are are thinking about using the arbitration scheme, what sort of period of time do they have to um, refer it?
1: Well, they've got to move quickly. So the scheme of the Act lasts for six months, and that's all, unless the Secretary of State extends the period. And frankly, I doubt there'll be much appetite for extending it. So they've got to move quickly, all the more so because uh, legislators cannot help themselves but put in time limits everywhere, and this Act is full of time limits. So the, the process of arbitration kicks off with one party informing the other that it intends to refer the dispute to arbitration. Then various time limits have to run, and until that's happened, Neither side can refer to the arbitrator. So it's not like a rent review dispute where you can just write off to the president of the RICS and say, Can I have an arbitrator now, please? What the arbitrator is going to be concerned to see if there's any referral is, Have you complied with the time limits for telling each other, telling each side first? So there are time limits there. There are then time limits for the arbitration itself. And, you know, time is already running now. You know, we're three weeks into this Act already, and there's only six months to go. So parties who are thinking about referring under the Act, and really everybody in a commercial rent arrears dispute ought to be thinking about it, had really better, you know, focus their thinking.
0: And I suppose lastly, I mean, what what will happen to those cases that aren't referred?
1: Well, after the six months has um, wound its way, I should think landlords will be herring after them with all sorts of, you know, tools from the landlord's usual armoury. So they'll be seeking to forfeit their leases, you know, whatever landlords normally do when there are arrears of rent. So parties have got six months ready to sort themselves out. Otherwise, it's going to be back to the old brutal ways, I'm afraid.
0: Guy, thank you so much indeed for coming on today and, and sharing your thoughts with us. It's been a pleasure talking to you, as always.
1: Well, me too. Thank you, Sarah.
0: That was In On The Act from EG with Sarah Jackman. For more on the Commercial Rent Coronavirus Act, see the EGI archive at egi.co.uk.